0: Welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. Jamie Black's The Red Dress Project, now on display at DC's National Museum of the American Indian, aims to raise awareness of missing indigenous women, not only in Jamie's native Canada, but also in the US. The exhibition consists of numerous red dresses, a fraction of the more than 400 that Jamie has collected that symbolize the plight of these women whose voices have been silenced through violence, discrimination, and indifference. Jamie, an emerging METIS multidisciplinary artist based in Winnipeg, Canada, studied English literature at the University of Manitoba and has an education degree from the Ontario Institute of Studies in Education. She has long been involved in the Aboriginal writers and artists communities in Winnipeg, she is particularly interested in feminism and Aboriginal social justice and the possibilities for articulating linkages between and around these movements. We are pleased to be able to speak with her about the Red Dress Project. Jamie, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Hi. So, uh, let's start with when you first were made aware of the plight of indigenous women, that so many go missing or are murdered?
1: Um, Well, I actually grew up um, partly in Thunder Bay and partly in Winnipeg, and uh, there's really high rates of violence and racism in both of those communities. But I actually wasn't made aware because, um, you know, these issues are not actually brought to our attention in the schooling system um, here in Canada and I don't think in the States either. And so uh, it it wasn't until I went to university and started getting involved in grassroots groups and um, organizations that were really um, moving to, you know, put forward what was going on on the ground and put forward, um, you know, ways of... uh, combating violence, and that I learned more and more about what was going
0: on. Uh, do, do you, did you, at that point, have any firsthand hand knowledge uh, of any of the families who have experienced a tragedy, or have you learned about that since you got involved?
1: Um, no, I actually, through doing um, work and going to marches and different rallies, and things like that, throughout my younger life, I, I met a lot of people who were going through a lot of different things on the ground. Um and uh, learned a lot about what what was really kind of happening under the surface in our country.
0: So describe for us these women, Jamie, what do they have in common? Um,
1: Well, I think the
0: way I think about
1: this, and I think of it on a very um, broad scale and macro scale, and I think about this entire... Um, pardon me. Uh, I think about this entire issue as as being one that's been going on for two hundred years since colonization began um, in North America, and I think about um, you know people coming over to North America, and basically the idea was to. Um, you know, kind of take over the land and take over, um, you know, the country and take up space. And so, and that's the colonization process. And so this country, and I think all of North America, is predicated on violence and displacement of Indigenous people and cultures.
0: And that's the irony, isn't it, because Indigenous people were really here first. I mean, the rest of us are really interlopers when when you come right down to it. Well, we're, yeah, we're,
1: yeah, and and I am also, I am Métis, so I am am settler and I am Indigenous, so, (laughs) which is an interesting place to be in as well, um, but you know, uh, people came over here and and there were full like full functioning cultures, governments, people, um, you know, indigenous people, we had all of those things um, functioning for thousands of years before settlers came um, to North America.
0: Now your I know your focus has been on Canada, uh, but there is an issue here also in the us, I understand. Uh, and certainly, your exhibition in, here in DC is going to call attention to that. So, can, can you talk a little bit about what might be happening outside of Canada and what feedback you've received?
1: Um, again, I will I will just kind of draw our attention, like to the macro level, and and um, you know, colonization is really a process that's gone on around the world. I mean, there. You know, people in in Europe were also colonized. Um, I think of all of our cultures at, at some point for many thousands of years um, really lived in, in uh, balance with the land and with each other in a way. And, um, you know, that colonization process, that violence and that kind of imposition of a certain system of being through colonization is something that's happened worldwide. And so in that way... Um, you know, this work is, is relevant everywhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I know according to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, nearly 1200 Aboriginal women in Canada have been murdered or gone missing in the last 30 years. I I just wonder about keeping statistics because, uh, you know, women in general oftentimes do not report, um, assaults and some women go missing and that isn't reported either. So is there some thought, do you think, that, Maybe this whole uh, issue is really being underreported.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think that's very true. Um, yeah, and I and I mean, there's also the double-edged sword of, of you know people go missing, um, and and families. I've seen families get very little support um policing agencies, and that's not, you know, that's not to say everyone in the policing agency is bad, but I think the system itself is not built to support um, Indigenous families. Um, I, I talked to a family early on in doing the work with the Red Dresses, and they said they called um, the police about their missing daughter, and they were told by the officer that they don't do family reunions and hung up the phone on them. So, oh, you know, this is the kind of racism and and um, colonialism that that you know people's families are being faced with, um, you know, on top of this tragedy, right? So, of course, there's going to be a, you know a huge instance of underreporting.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you came up with this idea for the Red Dress Project.
1: Um, well, I you know, as an artist, it's. Uh, I'm always asked that question. And, um, like, you know, art is a very intuitive process and I get a lot of my ideas from dreams that I have, um, from my connection to ceremony spirit and, and, you know, just communities and conversations I have, and, and all of that stuff. And so all of these kind of, you know, incidents in our lives at, at certain points kind of bring us to these ideas and, um, and images, so it's a, it's a nebulous process to describe. Um, but one of the things, about five years into doing the Red Dress Project, I realized that um, I looked back on some of the novels I had read, and when I was 17, I picked up a novel by Maria Campbell called The Book of Jessica. And Maria Campbell is a Métis writer from here in Canada, and she, um, her that novel was about... Um, creating a theater piece and writing a play about her life. Um, And it was a really, really powerful story about, um, you know, coming into, um, you know, a a city or like an urban environment after... Um, you know not being in one and being with her, like leaving the community and going into an urban environment um, you know and all the pitfalls um, that she faced during that and and actually I realized five years into doing this project that the cover of that book and I don't know who the artist is who I should find actually um, but the cover of that book has a painting of an empty red dress on it mm. and I read that book many many times when I was 17 years old and it had a very powerful impact on me um yeah so that's that's one of the things that like I guess that image stayed in my mind for a very long time um and you know I came out almost ten years later um you know as as this project
0: so what is the significance of the color red
1: um to me i'm I'm a really spiritual person, so to me, the color red is really um it's like our lifeblood it's what moves through us, and it's what unites all of us um and it's our like you know our sacred blood and 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 what um, keeps us alive and our vitality. Um, but it's also it's also the loss of that that is represented by the red in the dresses.
0: You know, in some ways, though, you can look at the color red as being a symbol of power. And even though we Absolutely. may look at these women as being powerless, talk a little bit about how how we maybe understate that that they that they are, are a powerful uh, group
1: well exactly and i think that um i think um you know in north america or maybe other places as well it's very convenient to represent indigenous people and indigenous women as being powerless um you know that really goes along with the colonial narrative and um the reality is far from that um Indigenous women have been, you know, have always been the glue and and the you know the matriarchs of their communities and held together their culture um, and families and and you know that way of being is being attacked by has been attacked by colonization and I think that um, you know throughout um, the years that colonization has taken hold, Indigenous women have often been the ones that stand up. Um, in the face of that, um, in the face of all those um, policies that are that are oppressive. And, I mean, we see this with um, what happened in Standing Rock, what happened um, with the Idle Norm War movement. And there's a lot of movements happening on the ground in Canada that are led by Indigenous women um, to reclaim um, that power and to teach their, um, you know, the youth um, where they come from and, and their their culture and and
0: value I mean I know that grassroots movements can always be so powerful it can grow into something quite large and quite influential. is that something you see happening here
1: yeah absolutely and I and I feel like it goes in phases um, and and you know what uh, you know indigenous women are still I mean I know a, a very very prominent um, land protector and an extremely powerful Indigenous woman, Sylvia McAdams, who actually began the Idle No More movement, um, she's facing she's facing charges um, for being on her home territory. Um, you know, she's not allowed to live on her home territory because it belongs to the Crown, so-called. So, like, well, women are trying to take back their land and culture and still being, um, really being bullied out of that and, um you know, and, and so it, the saga sort of continues, right? It's the same story that happened 200 years ago here when colonization began.
0: Mm-hmm. What has been the reaction where the dresses have been exhibited? What's some of the feedback that you've received?
1: Uh, people are very um, struck by them. They're They're very moved by the dresses. Um, And, you know, one of the most powerful things is um, I do try to keep the dresses, like, in as public a place as possible um, because that allows access to the work and the image and the symbol um, to as many, you know, to the public. And so people are coming at the work from all different angles and all different levels of experience. Um, You know, there's families that have um, actually lost loved ones coming to those dresses and feeling like they are supported and feeling like they can have their voices heard and telling their stories. And then there's also people who've never heard of what's going on that come and ask um, why are there red dresses there? And so it it really opens up a a possibility for creating bridges and, and educating people.
0: I know one of the stories I read from a Canadian newspaper talked about a police officer who showed up at uh, one of uh, the displays, one of the exhibitions, and he was so touched by that. And yeah. I thought, you know, how important that would be for people who are in positions to make changes, to see this, and to understand, Absolutely. you know, that change needs to happen.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's really... Um you know, I think a lot of people like to look at this work and think of it as a commemoration and only um, a tragedy, but it's really also a call to action and a call for us all to to move forward and try to find ways to, uh, you know, work together and uh, create a safer space and society.
0: So now, is the museum in uh Uh, Washington, D.C., the National Museum of the American Indian. Is that the first place that this exhibit has been staged in the U.S.?
1: As far as I know, um, about five years ago, I actually opened up the Red Dress Project to um, communities and the public um, to create their own installations of red dresses um, to further their um, voices in the community. Um, So people have been doing... um, Installations of red dresses in different places, and I and I actually can't and don't keep track of all the places that they're turning up. Um, so, but as far as my me myself doing an exhibition, it's my first exhibition in the U.S.
0: Are there any plans to, for you yourself to bring it to other museums or other places in the states, uh, maybe universities? Because I know there was a university in in Toronto. Is that right? Where it was exhibited. Yep, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Um, um, well, I haven't planned anything. And I, over the last 10 years of doing this work, actually, I've, I've really just, and um, the work has been coming to me. And so people have been asking to have installations um, at their institutions or organizations. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes of this.
0: So what's next, Jamie? Uh, do you continue, will there be things that grow out of this project and, and turn into other uh, pieces of art for you? I mean, what are, what is your thought about that? What are you working on?
1: Um, so for the last, like, for quite a while now, um, I've been doing um, land-based work. Um, so what that looks like is, is through doing the Red Dress project, I really wanted to um, kind of change the script and and instead of there, you know, us indigenous women not being present, it would be like, what does it look like when we are present and we are in our power? And so, um, for me, that's, that's being on the land is the, is the most powerful place for me to be. And that's where I regain my sense of balance and, uh, strength to keep doing the work that I do. And, um, and so that kind of led to doing photography, dance work, um, and other things out, out on the land. Um, and that's something I'm hoping to share, um, through projects with uh, Indigenous
0: youth and and women as well. Well, I know I went to the press opening for the exhibition on a very cold day with the dresses uh, being whipped around in the wind, and it was uh, very inspirational and very chilling and um, just a sight to see, I have to say. And the press people who were there were quite moved, and my hope is that uh, people here in D.C., this is, you know, we're getting into the tourist season. I know the ex- exhibition runs through the end of March. Uh, my hope is that many more will have the opportunity to go to the National Museum of the American Indian here in D.C. and and see your work because it really is uh, worthwhile and uh, very impactful. So, yep. and- Thank you so much for being here with us today to share uh, your views on this, and um, I will uh, put some links on the website uh, after the podcast so that people can go to your website and keep up with you and everything that you are doing.
1: Great. Thanks so much.
0: Okay. Thanks, Katie. Okay.